Hello, sister. You are listening to the Womology Podcast. This is a sacred space to honor your cyclical nature, reconnect with your innate body wisdom, and transform your health. I'm Dana Drehos, and thank you so much for being here. Welcome back to Womology Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to align your exercise routine and your movement with your menstrual cycle. Our guest today is Laura Torbett, creator of the Lune Collective, a roadmap of phase-specific workouts for menstruators. Laura is a movement enthusiast whose mission supports women from menarche to menopause with cycle-friendly movement practices. So welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Of course. So I always like to start off with a little cycle check-in. So where are you at in your cycle right now? And how are you supporting yourself in that? I love that question so much. And it's one that anytime I'm, you know, hanging out with a girlfriend or, you know, someone that I'm meeting, I like to ask that as well, because it helps you know how to show up and how to meet them where they are. So thank you for asking. I am about day 22 of my cycle and my cycle is fairly short. It's 26 days. So I'm in that kind of pre-menstrual territory. And I think there was a time where I would never dream of having a podcast interview during this time in my cycle. But now now that I can sort of weather the transition into premenstrual territory a little bit more easily, this is actually a time where I can focus. I feel pretty great. I'm maybe on the low energy side a little bit, but that just means kind of showing up a little bit differently. I feel more relaxed, more calm. And so I'm, I'm doing lots of the the things that I do each month to support this phase of my cycle to kind of rest before I get tired. That's one of the things that I always advocate for. So I've been dialing back in workouts. I've been adding an extra 20 minutes to my alarm in the morning, sleeping in where possible. And one of my favorite, I have an elixir from the Elix brand where I have kind of a tincture that I use in the mornings and the evenings. I also have a ginger tincture that I take that really helps Mm. kind of keep things balanced and, and easy. I tend to get, you know, a bit of digestive struggle right before my period hits. And so that ginger Mm -hmm. really helps keep things moving and just really enjoying walking, being outside. We've got great weather here in Colorado. So it's been a great time for that. And then also the communication with my partner, he, Mm -hmm. you know, he's starting to learn about the phases of the cycle. And so I've let him know, like, this is a time where at the end of the day, sometimes I'm touched out by my kids and like, you know, I just need some physical space. I also maybe need a little bit more alone time. So rather than having the kids inside while I'm cooking dinner or doing other things, like he'll take them to the park and and kind of give me that space. So it's been, it's been really lovely to enroll him in supporting me as well. So it feels kind of like this partnership, like we're, we're riding the wave of my cycle together. Yes. Oh, I love all of that so much. That's (laughs) like such goals. Amazing. And it really is all about tuning into your own body, it it can kind of seem like there's these rules around cycle syncing, like, oh, you're not going to feel good to communicate and do a podcast in this phase. So like, don't do that in that phase. But if you feel like it, (laughs) then by all means do it. Absolutely. Um, And for me, 
podcasting is my flow state. It's like Mm -hmm. life giving to me and that's why I do it. So it's not something that really drains my energy. So yeah, I typically feel good to do it at at any time, but there's other things, you know, I, I don't put out a lot of like reels or like create a lot of reels or a lot of content, like video content on my social media, because that's not so energy giving, replenishing, replenishing in that time. Yeah. So definitely all about listening to your body, tuning into what feels good for you. And that's even more of what we're going to be talking about today from the movement side of things. So what are some of the benefits of adapting your movement to the changing phases of your menstrual cycle? Love that question. I also just want to know where you are in your cycle. Oh, yes, sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I should be approaching ovulation pretty soon. I'm on day 15. My cycle's been around 28 days lately, but I was sick the past week. So I'm curious to see if I even actually will ovulate in this cycle because I know my body was really quite taxed the the past few days. I had a fever and cold and everything. So um, I'm kind of waiting to see like what's going to happen there. But in general, I'm feeling good. Like I like I said, podcasting is just medicine to me. So I feel good. Well, it's great. We can represent kind of the polar opposites yeah. of the cycle and speak to both sides. Exactly. So you asked what the benefit is of, you know, aligning your movement to your menstrual cycle. And I think the biggest benefit is that you are aligning with your physiology. So you're working with what's already happening in your body so that it starts to feel less like force. And it feels more like flow. Like it's easier to show up for the high intensity during certain parts of your cycle. And so you're not having to fight to get there and you're not having to draw upon your reserve resources to make it happen. And then it's kind of about working hard when your body's very well resourced and then resting before you get tired. Again, that's just, that's kind of one of the mantras for the luteal phase is if you can control when you dial it back and you're not waiting on your body to signal, Hey, we need to stop. Then you kind of, you control that rhythm and that arc of hormones that comes through. So it's really just about I think more than anything, it's about getting into communication with your body and creating a relationship of trust. I think when you adjust to how you're feeling and when you move in a way that supports and honors where you are in each day, that trust gets developed between, you know, it's speaking abstractly between you and your body, but it's this very sacred relationship that you get to honor through this adapting your movement to your cycle. So it's really more about learning the language of your body through movement in the laboratory of your workouts, I think is, is kind of the mm. biggest benefit. I love that. I've never heard it put that way exactly that it is establishing this trust and this level of, I think, safety, like creating Absolutely. a sense of safety within your body because so many of us have been operating for so long in not safety in our body by like pushing ourselves past the limits mm-hmm. and our body is like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, to finally come into actually listening to your body and going with that flow and doing what's supportive 
phase by phase. Yeah, it definitely creates that sense of safety and trust. Absolutely. And I think there's can be a misconception that you're just kind of chilling all the time that like, oh, I'm on my period. So I'm just gonna lay on the couch or Mm -hmm. I'm in my late luteal phase. So I'm just kind of walking or, you know, not, I've seen people kind of assign that sort of shame to cycle syncing. And really it's, it's not that at all. It means that you can show up fully when your body is resourced, you can push hard, you can like be there for the intensity. And then you're, you're allowing your body time to recover, you're fueling it, and you're creating that relationship that allows you to perform better than you would be able to if you were pushing hard every day. Mm-hmm, exactly. So how does it help specifically with reducing PMS and period pain? So another thing I like to say a lot is that your pain-free periods are made in the luteal phase. And that's because often if you're experiencing significant PMS symptoms, that's usually what precedes period pain. So for me personally, just anecdotally, if I have some pretty intense PMS, I know that the first few days of my period are going to hurt. And so when we can start to make these adjustments in that, you know, three three to five day period before your flow days begin, we can sort of set ourselves up to have an improved period. And really, I think PMS is about managing stress and inflammation. So when the body is under chronic stress, be it from excessive exercise, or maybe, you know, being hungry, going long periods of time without meals, without fuel, there's things that happen in the body that put us sort of into survival mode. And that stressed state then causes us to hold on to things. It causes us to feel the bloating, to feel the headaches, because we're sort of operating at at a deficit already before we kind of even hit the period. So to manage PMS, I think it's more a conversation about stress and then how your exercise can support reducing stress, reducing inflammation in the luteal phase. Mm -hmm. So I do think that cycle syncing exercise plays its most important role in the luteal phase because it's when there's the most risk for kind of dipping into the red or shifting into depletion. Mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, we, we take more rest days, you allow more space for recovery between your movement sessions. And those things all contribute to lowering stress in the body. And when you have lower levels of stress, you don't have cortisol fighting for the same receptors that progesterone is looking for. So you, your body can produce more progesterone naturally, and you experience kind of that natural cyclical calming effect, the kind of improvement with sleep, the soothing inflammation that progesterone can create. When we, when we introduce too much stress, then it fights with progesterone and it kind of inhibits that activity to happen. And so you're, you're kind of running on an empty tank, so to speak. And that's where I think dialing back the exercise, learning how to still feel like you've got a great workout without kind of pushing or or overdoing it. And then the other side of that is I I think a lot of times PMS comes down to two things, too little rest and too little fuel. So many women, I was, I was this way, we're eating the same way day in and day out. And in the luteal phase, 
when your metabolism increases, you at a baseline need extra calories. So it depends on kind of your activity level, but anywhere from 100 to 300 extra calories. And if you're not adjusting that, then your body's operating at that deficit already, which then will contribute to PMS through stress and inflammation. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the rest. If you're you know, if you're showing up to workouts first thing in the morning, you know, you haven't had a great night's sleep, but you're still asking your body to show up in the same way, that's going to dip you into stress. Your body's going to respond with inflammation and then that will contribute to the PMS. So it's, I always like to think about what my workouts are communicating to my body. So I used to work out, I I still work out in the mornings, but it used to be 5 a.m., empty stomach maybe with some coffee. And when I think back, you know, my favorite modality was high intensity hit workouts all the way. Mm-hmm. And when I think back to it, what I was telling my body is, Hey, I expect you to show up to perform fully with little to no resources, sleep, fuel, <laughs> or otherwise. And so the body says, okay, if this is going to be what's asked of me, I'm going to hold on to things because I don't know when I'm going to be asked to, you know, run sprints or do high knees for 15 minutes. (laughs) Like it's just not a state of predictable load. And there's a bit of survival mode that starts to come into play. And so of course your body would hold on to more fat. And when you, when you're depleting your glycogen stores, because you're, you know, fasted training, that type of stressor, you're then asking your body to, to look into its reserves. So your fat stores and things like that, which sounds great, fat burning, awesome. But what your body's starting to learn is, okay, I'm going to need more fat to support the demand that you're putting on me. Mm -hmm. And so it starts to store more of your calories as fat to meet that demand because it always favors survival. It's always doing what it, what it can to keep you, to keep you alive and thriving. Mm-hmm. And so if that means and storing so more- many, so many women on these low fat diets too. <laughs> yes. I mean, just low calories in general. I think that's one of the biggest opportunities for women to really step into their cyclical power is like, you don't have to restrict Instead, it's more, it's more that kind of intuitive quality. So that was kind of a long answer to your, your question about PMS. But I think when you can address stress levels in the body through movement by adjusting movement and then into your flow days, just adapting, you know, maybe in your day one, two, three, you're doing gentle movement. You're creating patterns that help soothe cramping. So legs up the wall, you're doing belly down massage, things like that. Mm. I think that can, can go a long way to soothe period pain. Mm. Perfect. And for listeners, if anyone is coming into this conversation, having never heard of cycle syncing, like no clue at all what we're talking about. I actually just interviewed someone else. The episode came out today. Um, And that is like a kind of intro to cycle syncing and talking more about the nutritional aspect of it. So it's interesting too, how you mentioned about the fuel and what she was saying really parallels what you were saying about how to kind of go more anti-inflammatory in that Mm -hmm. luteal phase to prepare your body for a better bleed in the menstrual phase. So yeah, definitely go back and check that episode out too. If you're a little lost on this, but (laughs) we're going to 
keep going too. I I love what you were mentioning too, how in the past you used to, you know, get up at 5 a.m., no food in your stomach, do the hit workout. That was so me too. When mm-hmm. I look back at, I was living in New York City at the time, I would get up at five, walk my ass like 20 blocks to the nearest gym in the snow, like oh, dead, dead winter, pitch black outside, trudging through the snow, do some like super hard workout, walk back, get ready for work and everything, go back out. And I'm just like, how did I do that? And what was that doing to my poor body? And yes. when you when you worded it like, thinking about it from the lens of your body's perspective, what you're asking it to do, that just really clicked for me. Like, wow. (laughs) So, I mean, it's so true because what, what you were communicating and I don't know what your day looked like after that, but for me, it was then sitting at a desk for eight hours. Oh, yep. So super stressful (laughs) job. Yes. So it was like, your body is, is trying to do its best to support you. And then in that downtime where it's like, okay, we're, we're sedentary for a moment. I'm going to just like hold on to everything so that I'm ready for the next hit of high intensity. And it's kind of this cycle and what, what breaks my heart. And what I, I wish I could just like hold my hand back then because <laughs> you're working so hard and you're so committed and so driven. And so there's all of these positive qualities that you are applying to exercise or to diet, and you really have good intentions, but despite that positive quality, there's some cyclical sabotage that happens. So you're actually, you know, kind of uh, doing yourself a disservice at different times in the cycle and then having to kind of catch up and regain the progress because you, you lose it in the luteal phase. So I just, I want women to feel better, to feel good. And to be able to just think of all that energy that you pour into kind of excessive exercise or, you know, the trudging through the snow, like imagine applying that to something creative or pouring it into someone you love or pouring it back into yourself. Like there's so much life force available there that Mm -hmm. I think, you know, menstruators can be the most powerful creative beings on the planet when we learn how to manage our energy levels. Yes. And (laughs) I think it's important to mention too how so much of research on how to exercise for humans in general is really for men that was applied to women as small men, (laughs) but we're not small men and our bodies, our physiology is so different and responds differently, obviously through our cycles, as we've been talking about. Well, and it's from a a primal perspective in times of famine, when, you know, a male body goes into survival mode, it means he gets lean. He gets ready to fight. He's faster. He has access to more energy because that's what Mm. his body's designed to do. Whereas for a woman's body, we sort of, again, favor survival over reproduction. And so we go into storage mode and we're sort of like, okay, we're going to just store what we can so that we have it when we need it. And it's kind of the opposite effect to what happens to men. And so of course, we're going to want to, you know, we're told that fasting is, is a way to get lean and focus and have a clear mind. And I think that that's, 
you know, we can get those things, but for women, it, the, the path there looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I was wondering this, this question just came to me. Do you also (laughs) switch up your exercise depending on the actual season outside? Like right now we're talking about internal seasons, but you're in Colorado. So I imagine it gets very cold at points. Mm -hmm. And then in the summer, like, do you switch up your exercise along with the cycles? I do. So, so my um, background in movement training is in yoga. And so there's a lot of Ayurveda considerations that I sort of work into my own practice, but definitely that changing with the light. So in the winter, when there's less light available, you're not getting kind of that circadian stimulation, um, in the same way that you would in the summer. And so I will, I'll work out later in the morning. I, you know, our household is sort of, when the sun goes down, all of the lights in our house are dim. And so it's, it's those, that energetic exchange. So not necessarily the specific movement programming, but more the way that I intake and, and express energy. So in the summer, lots more light, we're kind of staying up a little bit later and kind of using that solar energy to fuel us for more outdoor activities. And so then we're replenishing with more water intake and, and eating cooling foods and things like that. Whereas in the winter, I, I treat almost the entire winter season, like a period where we're eating stews and warming foods and lots of warming spices and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I know you'll have a interesting answer to this question that I'm sure many women are thinking or would ask, but does the cycle syncing work for losing weight? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I, I love that question. And I know that weight is something that comes up a lot as it relates to women and fitness. I think a better indicator of what's working and what's not is how you feel, how you're able to show up. What are your energy levels looking like? How are you sleeping? And then maybe use the scale as kind of a secondary data point you know, as something to kind of show you where you're going or where you're headed. I can speak to my own experience with weight loss and and kind of weight management in that when I, before I got pregnant, I, it took me a very long time to get pregnant with my first child. And in that period of time, I was at excessive exercise, mostly fasted first thing in the morning, and then mostly sedentary at a desk job. And I honestly believe that part of what took me so long to get pregnant is that my body was favoring survival over reproduction. And I think what happens when a menstruator's body feels threatened, we do, we go into that mode of kind of carrying whatever we can load on our backs or in our bellies (laughs) um, for use later. And it's kind of that, what we talked about, you know, the difference between men and women, women were designed to store that energy so that we can use it when we need to, but kind of back to my personal story, when I was in that mode, I then eventually was able to get pregnant, had two kids back to back and didn't really start adapting my workouts to my cycle until my son was almost a year. And it was like, once I started working out less and eating more. And this is not to say that I, you know, just 
was lazy and ate all the time. It was, it was very strategic and very intuitive. So really leaning into kind of how I felt it was like the, the weight just shed. I mean, I used to have kind of, you know, it almost felt like I I would describe it more as like being swollen. So, you know, I was holding on to a lot of fluid. I had kind of more puffiness in the face and in my neck. I had definitely kind of around my belly, just more stuff that I felt, I feel like my body was holding on to. And I was like, once I started to give my body more, more time to rest between workouts, I started using shorter sessions and started just being really strategic about how I moved. The, I'm 10 pounds lighter than I was then. And I probably, you know, I was, I was one of those 1500 calories, you know, 1200 to 1500 calories. And now I probably eat, I don't know, upwards of 2,500 a day and I'm active and I work out, but it's not an obsession and I'm not spending the, you know, I would do like an hour weight class and then 30 minutes of cardio. And it was just this insane amount of effort. And all of a sudden it's like my body's back to this kind of balanced baseline that feels really good. You know, it's maybe not the lowest weight I've ever seen on the scale, but man, when I lift my 35 pound daughter up and I feel strong and I can like launch her into the air, that's what it's all about. Like that feels to me more meaningful than any number I could ever see on a scale. And I do visit it on occasion, just to kind of see, you know, I like to see how much water I'm holding on to throughout the cycle. And, and, you know, it, it fluctuates. You probably know this, you could be Mm -hmm. one weight in the morning and five pounds different in the evening. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's more of a data point than it is like a hard metric, I think. And when you are fueling to support favorable body composition, that is you are fueling to gain muscle it's denser and it's smaller. So yeah, maybe your, your clothes are fitting better, but your, the scale might actually go up. Hmm. And I've found too, that there's, there's kind of an unhealthy weight loss that can happen when you're in muscle wasting, but you don't feel any better and your clothes don't fit any better, but the scale, you know, is maybe going down and you think, well, I should be fitting better into my clothing, but Mm -hmm. the numbers don't match. So I definitely think it can cycle syncing your exercise can help with weight loss insofar as a lot of the weight we hold on to is related to stress and inflammation. Mm-hmm. So when we can start to address those issues, you'll kind of go back to what is your body's natural baseline. Mm-hmm. I love that. Focusing on how you feel over what the scale is saying. Yes, absolutely. And just not having to be hungry all the time. I think there's, you know, many times when women in particular are on, have a weight loss goal, which can be a very real thing. There's lots of reasons to want to get your weight to a different place, but we have this well-intentioned approach and often make an honest mistake of finding our calorie deficit and then eating to that deficit from day one until we hit that mark. And really the, the energy equation of calories in versus calories out is not that simple for menstruators. It just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't quite work that way because of our, our more dynamic metabolism and how we use fuel. So I think you can, you can work to a calorie deficit, but make sure that you're fueling your activity. So, you know, maybe you are working with lower calories, but focusing your high protein and high carbs, 
before and after exercise so that you're not asking your body to show up in a fasted or in a depleted state. And I like to focus on the calorie deficit in the follicular phase when the body is well-resourced and you have that lower baseline metabolism. And so you're not going to be working into muscle wasting. And then in the luteal phase, focus more on the anti-inflammatory foods and kind of reducing stress as part of your weight loss strategy. Like it doesn't, it food is the root of it, but there's so much more that contributes to how your body uses that food. And, and when we start to look at it from a more holistic perspective, I think you can get so much more out of your efforts that way. Mm, absolutely. So we might've kind of already answered this, but just to really drive it home, what happens if you do the opposite? Like what happens if you don't sync your movement with your cycle and you just keep pushing through with your cardio every single day? So you probably won't notice so much in the follicular phase. The follicular phase is when we can kind of get away with a bit more because when hormones are lower, we have better recovery. We are more efficient at utilizing carbohydrates for fuel. So we feel like we have this quick energy to use for things like hit and kind of the more intense strength training. But if you continue to work out that way in the luteal phase, there's a couple of things that are happening. One, your metabolism goes up so that you're burning more calories at rest in the second half of your cycle than you are in the first. So if you're going into the workouts with the same fueling structure, you're going to be dipping into the red. And when you, when that happens, the stressors go up, you get kind of unscheduled spikes in cortisol to fuel things that you're asking your body to do. And that then fights with progesterone, which can mean everything from PMS to cycles where you don't ovulate because, mm. you know, your body's not thinking it's safe to, to ovulate. And the, the key or the biggest kind of drawback to maintaining that same approach through the luteal phase is the threat of muscle wasting of sort of your body then saying, okay, well, you're not giving me enough complete protein to build and, and complete all these other functions. So the amino acids in your protein serves everything from brain function to, you know, th there's just this cascade of functions that protein supports. So when it, it's not getting enough, it's going to use your muscles as this incredible reserve of amino acids that it can then use to perform essential functions. And you then have less muscle. So your metabolic efficiency is, is different because your muscle burns more than fat. So it just creates this, this kind of cyclical environment that isn't isn't using your physiology for you. You're kind of, I think of a hamster just spinning in a wheel. You're working so hard and, and, and so committed, but then kind of going backwards almost and basically having to start from scratch again in the follicular phase, you know, make all this progress. And then, you know, the luteal phase hits and you kind of <laughs> fall back down the hill, uh, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So if you're new to syncing exercise to your cycle, I would say the best place to start is in that last week before your period. What would happen if you just took a few days off and really dialed it back, upped your intake of protein, you know, try these few things on. It doesn't have to be a complete departure from what you're doing, but you can make these like very small adaptations 
to serve your body better. You can still get a great workout just in a way that's a little bit more strategic. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I'm thinking like a lot of people might be thinking, but my per- my personal trainer said to do this, or I follow this person on YouTube and like we do this every day. And like, do you think that most PTs in, in the exercise world have been taught in their own training about the menstrual cycle and how to move with it? Or is that not something that is discussed? So I think we are living in a pretty exciting and inspired time for this conversation because not only are more menstruating and cycling women being included in research, but we have this burgeoning resource pool, whether it's online or in books or through research like Dr. Stacey Sims and Elisa Vitti, there's all these resources that help women navigate their menstrual health and that really advocate for using your intuition. So not just listening to something because that's what the guide tells you, but really like tuning into what your body is telling you. So all that said, for me personally, it was not something I was taught. I think in health class, I sort of walked away with, okay, you're, you can get pregnant on day 14 and you're going to have a period once a month and it's going to hurt. And, Mm -hmm. you know, happy adulting. (laughs) Um, And even in my, you know, my yoga practice, I think there's a lot of the mind body connection. And so the, the connection to your cycle kind of derives from that, but it was never explicitly explored. So I learned things like don't go upside down during flow days and don't twist too deeply or things like that. But it was it was more from a contraindication standpoint of like how to keep your students safe when they're menstruating and less about why, you know, don't go upside down because you want to support downward flow of energy and and things like that. So I think there's more happening now where, you know, there's, um, there's a woman named Omega and she's creating this entire training specifically for personal trainers men and women alike so that they can support their clients. And so that that becomes a part of the conversation. And, you know, you'd be amazed that the results start to show up more when you're kind of working with your physiology instead of against it. So I do think that that it's coming. And I think, you know, we're going to be in the next decade, probably seeing amazing research come forward and amazing programs for women um, that let them be who they are every every day of the month. I, and I do think that it's, maybe this is something we'll talk about later, but just the idea of having to fit into a very specific box, even if you are a cycling woman, it will be different month to month and it will be different woman to woman. So like for me, even when I started cycle syncing, I mean, I knew this kind of intuitively, but I thought, okay, I'm in ovulation. I need to be doing this in my creative work, I need to be doing this type of workout (laughs) and eating this way. But what I discovered through kind of that conversation and that invitation to, to connecting with my body is like, I probably tend toward estrogen dominance. And when the surge of estrogen hits, I just get flatlined. It feels overwhelming and and the, the high intensity kind of can aggravate that. So while sometimes Mm -hmm. I love doing that, usually in the days, you know, maybe the two or three days before ovulation, but when ovulation hits a lot of times, I just love to chill and move slowly and kind of 
mark that transition to the second half of the cycle. But when you're told, oh, you should be glowing and magnetic and expansive, it can feel really, really defeating, or it can make you feel small when that's not your experience. So Mm -hmm. kind of going back to what we were talking about in the beginning, I think it's all about just learning your body's patterns and being open to them changing. So this isn't a quick fix. It's not a quick, you know, you're here for 30 days and then you get the results you want. It's more a lifestyle of you get to be whoever you want (laughs) every day Mm -hmm. of the month. And, and that can be really empowering. And for the people who maybe are working with a trainer, who's not taking their cycle into account, like what an empowering experience to say, Hey, this is what's happening in my body. Can you meet me there? Like Mm -hmm. I'm showing up energized today. I need you to push me or, Hey, I'm about to start my period. We need to focus on endurance and, and kind of just arming yourself with information so you can help enroll everyone around you to support what you need. Now, could you, let's like break down each phase of the cycle and what type, type of movement is best for each phase. Great. So I love to start with the menstrual phase, mostly because it is the clearest marker. So day one of your bleed, it's an kind of an easy way to mark that transition. And it is the pretty serious drop in and quick drop in hormones that signals your period to start. So day one, two, three, you're probably experiencing some low energy. Maybe you're having period symptoms, period pain. And so in those first few days of flow, I like to just literally go with your flow. If you're feeling great, it's a great time to to really put in work. But if you are having kind of those lower energy days, really just focus on soothing, soothing inflammation by moving slowly, kind of lubricating the joints with things like yoga, gentle mobility work, very slow strength work, maybe using resistance bands. But something that I think is important for menstruators to understand is that in that low hormone phase, it's also this really opportune time. So you have better recovery. Like I mentioned, you have um, an easier time using carbohydrates for fuel. So the release of that fuel is not inhibited by progesterone and estrogen. So you're able to kind of hit the high intensity a little bit more easily in the low hormone phase. So I'd say start nice and slow, gentle, maybe have a rest day. There's, I love active rest practices that let you move in a way that still counts as recovery. And then once your symptoms subside, or once you start to feel your energy return. So for me, and for a lot of people, I think day three, four, that starts to come back. That's when you, you, you want to capitalize on low hormone physiology. So you can push harder, you can turn up the intensity, you have better cooling. So you'll notice it's so funny in my menstrual phase, I often sweat before my warm up is even over. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, you're sweating at a lower temperature, just lots of things working for you that it's kind of your time to shine, to really put in the work that you might be looking forward to. So I, I think of, you know, you trudging through the snow, like follicular phase, that is a t- time to kind of use that drive and that commitment to make some progress toward, toward your goals. Then as we get into follicular, that's kind of still the low hormone phase. So I kind of couple those together. Mm-hmm. And when we get laid into the follicular phase and you start to feel kind of that 
that elevated energy, maybe elevated mood, you know, that estrogen is on the rise. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe day 12, your late follicular approaching the ovulatory phase. So you have estrogen to work with. Estrogen is anabolic and in the absence of progesterone, you can use that to kind of support muscle building. It's a great time for like lifting your heavy loads and kind of pushing for your personal bests in your workouts. And what happens with estrogen though, is it's carbohydrate sparing and it prioritizes fat burning for fuel. So you might find, and this is different for all women, but you might find with that estrogen surge that while you have a lot of energy, it's not that quick spark energy. So maybe it takes you a while to get going. And then once you're there, you're like, good. So that's a time where I like to do, you know, kind of shift to more body weight or steady state cardio work where it's, you're favoring that fat burning environment to, with movement that supports it. So in the Lunay roadmap, you'll see lots of body weight cardio classes, lots of classes using heavier weight to kind of take advantage of both of those, you know, wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing in that month, you can kind of find a practice to support it. And then when ovulation hits again, like I mentioned for it's different for different women. So some women feel great. They want to try on the high intensity, other women like myself, you need kind of that low impact, low intensity transition period. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a time where kind of the shorter, more intense bursts of energy are better than kind of a longer bout of exercise. And then once that estrogen surge passes, it dips down for a bit. And then we start to see the rise of progesterone and estrogen together in kind of a high hormone state. And in the early luteal days, you might uh, still have some good energy. You've got elevated metabolism. So that's supplying more energy, but the body goes more into breakdown mode. So rather than building tissues into, you know, muscle or kind of an accretive process, um, progesterone is catabolic and it breaks down tissue to support different functions and it shuttles everything to the uter uterine lining. So it's taking all the good stuff to support that life-giving mission that's happening in the luteal phase. So with that, you want to make sure that you're fueling for your activity. So I like to always have 15 to 20 grams of protein pre and post-workout I have kind of a, a, an insulin resistant situation happening. So I'm, I'm not huge on the carbs personally, but for most, you want to be able to fuel with carbs, both before and after kind of timing it around your exercise. And the luteal phase is a really important time for that more the protein, I would say for, for exercise. And in those early days, you'll find lots of like slower focused strength work that where we're kind of simplifying things. So in the second half of the cycle, your brain's not quite as open to complexity and new, new movement patterns and novelty. It's seeking more of that familiar kind of that nesting quality. So I love kind of using really simple patterns and maybe building with volume instead of complexity and intensity. Mm. Um, and so you can carry that through kind of the first week, week and a half, depending on how long your luteal phase is. And then when you know, and, and I'm not sure if you feel this way, but for me, I, there's a very specific day where I know I'm crossing the threshold into premenstrual mm -hmm. territory. It's like, I, I feel almost just an inner gravity and everything's kind of just slowing down and it's not necessarily negative, but it's a very clear signal. And when that happens, 
that's when it's important to dial it back. Maybe you're deloading. So going really light in weight, maybe you're moving more slowly or favoring like a yoga practice. I think those can be very supportive in the last few days and rotating in more rest and kind of shorter, shorter sessions, more walks outside or kind of that low intensity stuff. But that kind of brings us to the end of the cycle. And then we, we start it over and hope that you know, you can build and kind of layer cycle upon cycle. Mm-hmm. I just like hearing that sounds so nourishing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, my body is like, mm, that sounds nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I know I have so much work to do in this particular area. I've just been kind of simplifying it to low, in- low intensity in the second half, higher intensity in the first half. I'm one of those girls who's like, I don't know how to, what to do with a weight. So, (laughs) so like, that's something that when I move this summer, I'm like, I'm buying some weights. I'm figuring this out because this whole, like, I'm scared of strength training thing is like, not, we're not doing that anymore. Well, and and I think for, you know, for young women, it's so important to create a foundation of muscle mass before you enter perimenopause and menopause, because it is exponentially harder to maintain it after, you know, after your estrogen levels are depleted and and start going down. So Mm -hmm. just think of it as investing in yourself. Like you're putting in the time now to build muscle and to create this really efficient and beautiful operating system that then will support you into aging. And I am certainly, you know, myself at 20 or 25, I could not care less about my 35 year old self, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the more that we can create that conversation too, about aging really powerfully and not being, um, kind of a cliff that we just drop off, but it's, (laughs) it keeps getting better. And, you know, I'm, I'm approaching 40 now and feeling so much more alive, so much more vibrant than my entire decade of twenties. And it's, it has so much to do with just really honoring my body and honoring that process. So yes, grab the weights and I will help (laughs) you. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. It can be fun. fun. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be just bicep curls for hours. I I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, there's really, once you start to kind of tap into the joy element or that kind of playful element, it it can start to be really fun. And can you talk a bit about the ideal length of time of workouts for women? Because I've heard this number of like 30 minutes is the magic number. So why is that? Yeah. So this is a good starting point. I always like to, you know, especially for someone who might be coming in from working out 90 minutes a day to cut back to 30 can feel really scary. And if you're someone who's training for a race or you're doing long runs, sometimes 30 minutes is just not enough. So I'll kind of start with that disclaimer, Mm -hmm. but it comes down to, again, stressing the body and your muscle glycogen. So it's the storage of energy that you have for quick access in the, in the body can last up to two hours for low intensity exercise. So think somewhere lower than 75% of your maximum heart rate. So it's, it's pretty manageable. You have enough energy to support about two hours of that. 
when you start to turn up the intensity and you're pushing over 75% of your max. So, you know, I used to wear an Apple watch. I've since disconnected from that technology. But when I did, there would be days where I'd be in my 85% to 95% for a full, you know, 45 minute workout or 60 minute workout. When you're in those ranges of exertion, your glycogen is depleted in 15 to 30 minutes. It happens very quickly. So for people who maybe aren't wanting to fuel with a protein shake right before a workout, or maybe you're working out first thing in the morning and you don't want to have a huge meal, it's a safe boundary to put on your movement that isn't going to dip you in the red. So particularly for women who are trying to create balance and who are, you know, experiencing PMS, things that are indicative of a hormone imbalance, it's a great starting point to know that, you know, I can put in this effort for this and it's, you know, it's not a hard and fixed rule, but it's pretty much like when you start to feel there's kind of a point in a high intensity workout where, you know, like, Oh, I just hit the wall. That's, that's (laughs) when your body's making that switch from its fuel source, it's spiking cortisol to help keep you doing what you're doing. And what that's doing internally is then kind of shifting you into an unfavorable metabolic state where you're using your reserve reserve for energy. So mm-hmm. the way to then, I, I always like to fuel, whether it's 30 minutes or 90 minutes, but the way to, to kind of mitigate that unfavorable metabolic environment is to just have a snack before and after. I used to be really great about snacking before, but then it would maybe be, you know, I would shower, I would get the kids ready. And then by the time I was eating something after a workout, it had been an hour and a half. And so I I went through a period where I was, you know, putting in the work, but maybe not seeing the strength gains or the results that I wanted. When I started preparing my post-workout snack, bringing it down with me so that it was ready to go. And I could drink it, you know, within 30 minutes of a workout, everything started to, to change. I wasn't, you know, hitting that 4 PM crash because it helps stabilize your blood sugar and kind of support Mm. that, um, that movement effort. So the 30 minutes is really more about how resourced your body is. So if you're consuming that pre and post workout fuel, And, you know, anything maybe more than 90 minutes to two hours, you know, you want to be fueling during the workout itself. But if you're supporting your activity level, then, you you know, you're in pretty good shape. You don't have to worry too much about the 30 minute rule. But again, for anyone starting out, um, it's a great, a great place to start and kind of try it on. Mm -hmm. And it is still important to have rest and recovery days in each phase, right? Like I think people might hear, okay, you know, follicular ovulatory, it's time to take it up a notch and put in the heavy work. But that doesn't mean that you're also not having recovery time, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So I'm not sure if you follow her, but Courtney Babilia on Instagram, she has become a close friend of mine in this space, but she always talks about how the gains from your workout happen outside your workout session off the mat and in your bed, because they happen when you give your body time to rest. So you can think of the workout as the stimulus. So you're signaling to your body, your muscles, Hey, we want to make this adaptation, which is to get stronger or faster or more powerful. 
but then you have to let your body go to work outside the session to then make those things happen to recover, to repair. So absolutely rest is, is important in all phases. I'd say in the follicular phase, you know, when you can get away with a little bit more, I usually rest two days during the week, whether it's follicular, sometimes I'll work out six days, you know, if I'm feeling really, really good, but I'll definitely rotate in two rest days kind of throughout. And you want to take note of kind of which, which parts of your body need the recovery. So if you're practicing things like yoga or you're doing full body workouts, you know, you're probably not hitting max intensity for every muscle group in your body on a given day. So there's less recovery for specific muscle groups, but let's say you have a leg day on a Monday, you might want to give yourself two days of rest and recovery to let the muscle adaptations happen before you jump into another leg day. So I love kind of split sessions, especially for regularly cycling women. I think it's very beneficial to kind of break up muscle groups so that you can work those muscles to fatigue, which then lets them build back and and become stronger. But then in the luteal phase, absolutely. That's when I'm resting probably at least three days in that week and also dialing back the intensity. So not doing hip workouts and things like that. Beautiful. So can you share about Lune and how it helps women implement everything that we've been talking about here today? Definitely. So Lune breaks up workouts into the four phases. So you can kind of, you can jump in based on a movement style that you like, or you can just go to the phase that you're in and choose from, you know, appropriate workouts for that phase. You can also choose based on whether you're beginning a movement practice or, you know, you want more advanced. So there's lots of ways to cater it to exactly how you're feeling on a given day. I think what Lune does is kind of takes the guesswork out of it. So especially for someone just starting, you can just jump into the roadmap and kind of follow along and work out how you want to. There's also the layering of the cyclical information within the workouts themselves. So just a little primer for why, you know, why we're moving in this way so that you can then take that into your practice and really embody that, that particular intention or quality so that I I really want to encourage women to be present in their workouts for so long. I was someone who put a television show on a treadmill and just like Mm. ran out the clock. Like I just need to make it through. And now like it's my, my time to be with me. And so I, I like having the lead format. So it's a guided workout where you can just be present you can just show up and put in the work and you don't have to really have to engage the cognitive load that can sometimes come with planning or remembering what you're supposed to do next. You know, it's, it's guided the whole way through. So mm-hmm. my mission there is just to help women learn the language of their bodies and then that then will help them preserve energy levels so that you can really just show up how you want to for the things that matter, you know, for Mm -hmm. the things that you want to be doing. Beautiful. So is it an app or like what happens when people sign up? Yeah. So there's a, it's right now, it's just a web-based access platform. So I do have plans in the future to create an app so that it's, you know, you can use it on your smart TV and things like that. Right now, it just requires a browser to use, but then it's basically kind of like a, 
you know, a Netflix library where you have the different phases and you can just choose, you hit play and you work out. So the format is typically an intro where I'll explain kind of both the, the phasic information, the cyclical information, any equipment that you need. And there's, there's written descriptions there too. So you can the way I envision kind of an ideal engagement with the platform is you're finding the workout that you want to do, maybe digesting the intro and there's, there's tutorials there and then showing up, you know, ready to go for your workout after that. So you can kind of take it at your own pace and use the different elements, however they suit you best. So there's a, a 14 day trial that you can sign up, sign up for at lunacollective.com. And that gives you access to all of the practices. There's meditation, there's yoga, there's bar, there's no equipment workouts, tons of those on there for people who aren't wanting to fill every corner of their house with dumbbells. <laughs> so just lots of different variations. So you can kind of use what you have uh, to, to make the most of your workouts. And then I don't know if we talked about this before, but we'll create a promo code for your listeners so they can get a full month of a free trial. And I really mm. love that because then you can try out each phase. Mm. So it'll be, it's the 14 day trial then plus 30 days. So for women mm. with an extra long cycle, that'll still cover kind of all four phases. So you can see how it works. And I'm sure you, you know, this with any, anything that affects your hormones, it's great to give it like three cycles mm. to really work, whether it's a change you're implementing in nutrition or lifestyle or exercise, but it doesn't happen quickly because our bodies are so good at what they do. We've trained them, you know, for however long it it takes a little bit to create that new habit and that new, um, that new relationship. So just being patient for that time to Mm -hmm. kind of try it on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for giving the listeners um, the promo code. No excuses, guys. We have (laughs) a free trial and all the exercises are laid out by the cycle. All we got to do is show up. So I know I'm definitely going to be trying it out and buying my first weights ever (laughs) (laughs) and jumping into that. So thank you so much. Is there anything that we... We didn't cover that you really wanted to bring up or mention. I mean, I think just going back to like it really being a process of listening and learning and letting movement be an instrument of your self-care. So it's not something you are doing to your body. It's not a, a punishment for something you consumed. It's really a a relationship and it's a relationship that you build trust and respect and reverence. And when we can show up for exercise in that way, it's something that will keep you coming back. So that's my goal for, for every woman and, and every human really is that you find a way to move your body that helps you thrive and that you love and, and enjoy. Amazing. Thank you so much, Laura, for the work that you do and for sharing with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you desire to go deeper, I invite you to follow me on Instagram at Dana.Drehos or visit my website, DanaDrehos.com for more free resources and ways to work together. Wishing you peace, love, and health.